0: Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Amen. We just want to take a moment and we want to welcome everybody out this morning. We're glad that you're here, glad everybody's joining us online we also today want to release all the youth junior high high school kids you're free to go uh, out into the youth room amen Uh, real quick before we do anything we want to this morning just take a few minutes and uh, lift up uh, donna debolt this uh, this morning Uh, her husband joe passed away uh, last thursday he went to be with jesus amen we are very glad about that we're glad that he is in the presence of the lord Uh, But he will be sorely missed, and we just want to believe, God, for Donna, that uh, God's hand and his comfort would be on her, and that God would strengthen her. So if you would pray with me, would you just believe, God? So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we lift up Donna to you, Father, that your hand would be upon her, God, that you would strengthen her, God, that you would comfort her in this time of need, God, this time of sorrow and grief. Father, that you would strengthen her, God, raise her up, God, quicken her right now, quicken her mind, her spirit, her body, Father, that you would encourage her, God, in Jesus. And we thank you, God, for the knowledge of knowing that Joe is with you right now, in Jesus' name, amen and amen, amen. We've got a, a couple announcements that I would like to just uh, reiterate. First of all, for all the men, how many men we got in the place? Raise your hand, amen, no, all the men, all the men, come on, all the men. If you're a man, raise your hand. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. We'll see you all at men's um, fellowship tonight, discipleship. Praise God. Glad you went online so, uh, and volunteered. We're going to do the Army way of volunteering. Remember, we need one volunteer, and then everybody steps back, and you're standing there. Anyway, it's... Watch too many TV shows. I don't know if they do that. <laughs> Larry, do they do that in the Marines? Do they, is that how they volunteer you into the... They just told you, right? (laughs) Oh, man. So we just encourage you to come. That's at 5 o'clock. And for all the men, uh, we'll be having hamburgers tonight and and, uh, good fellowship and then a message. And we'll be out in the youth room. So mark that down. Also, don't forget that this Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, uh we have our wednesday worship night this is a time where we set time aside to worship the lord and to believe god for miracles amen uh you know we sang that song uh he's too good to not believe and and how many believe that how many believe that he's that good i I do i i believe that he he wants to do great things and so uh we take the time on wednesday night to set that platform Uh, and give Him an opportunity to minister to our lives. And the reality is He'll minister to you anytime. He'll minister to you right in this place, right now as I'm speaking. Amen. You don't have to wait till Wednesday. If you need God, just call upon Him and He will be there. Amen. But this Wednesday, we're setting that time aside. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me over to Genesis chapter 12. Now, I know you notice noticed the table up here, right? It's kind of a lazy Susan. Check this out, man. This is fancy. So if I want you to see my notes, see, see, I just go like that. See, that's what I go off of right there. Isn't it pretty? Isn't it pretty? And so I go like that. I color all my notes. Funny thing is, is for years I colored my notes. I would highlight them on paper. And now I cannot preach a sermon if it's not highlighted. It's the weirdest thing. I see I, if, if I get up here without, and I've done it where I haven't had time to highlight it. And so I get up here and I'm like, where am I at? I just lose myself. And so anyway, but I want to minister something to you today that uh, um, God just really put on my heart uh, really heavy. And I believe it's something that uh, we need to take um, a heart in. We really need to grasp this in our lives. And so uh, I want you to really, uh, um, for the lack of a better word, I want you to pay attention. Well, that's, that's a given, but, but I, I want you to really embrace this today because I believe this will really help us. I believe God will, will really do something here. So Genesis chapter 12, uh, starting in verse, there is a fly up here. It's the devil. I know it is, and I'm, I'm going to get him. If you see me slapping things, that's, I'm, I'm just swatting the devil. That's all I'm doing right there. <laughs> chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1 uh, of the New Living Translation. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. I love this story and I begin here because this particular story starts out um, and it speaks so clearly to how God often works in our lives. One minute we're living our lives, doing our thing, and going about our daily business. And without hesitation, God oftentimes will step in and lead us to do something extravagant, or so it may seem. And it happens all the time. I mean, it can be uh, a minor thing, like you might be at the grocery store and you are buying, you know, tonight's dinner or whatever it is, and you're shopping, and you're doing your daily shopping, and all of a sudden, God will drop in your heart that the lady just down the aisle from you needs a word from the Lord, needs to be encouraged, and God today has picked you to go give that person a word. Now that, too, for some people, can be extravagant. Amen? Uh, God can, He can move on you and have you do all kinds of things. You could be in a church service, this fly, man, is about ready to tear me up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get him. Hang on. Uh, I'm going to get him. I'm going to preach him down or swat him down, one of the two. But you could can, can, you can be in a church service. and God could speak to you. Here you are. You're going to church, minding your own business, just enjoying the presence of God. And all of a sudden, God tell you to write a check for $10,000. You said, God ain't going to tell me that. I can tell you right now. He ain't telling me that. He might. He might tell you that. He might say, and here's the thing. Please do not get stuck... And I'll prove this to you, and I'll show you this. Don't get stuck going, well, I don't have $10,000. Well, he's not going to tell you to do something that you can't do without providing what he wants you to do. So he might just give you a whole lot more if you'll just be obedient. Can you say amen? And the reality is, is when we step out and have faith in God's lead, it changes the dynamic. Can you say amen? I remember when Pastor Howard first asked Kathy and I to go to Needles. I... I remember this. I mean, it's burnt into my uh, mind. I was so surprised and in shock. In fact, uh, the, the day before Howard had asked me to go to Needles, I was complaining about having no ministry. I literally was. I was home that night. I was mad because Brother Jeff Adams, who's also with the Lord right now, he had gotten promoted above me. He got promoted to a particular position in the church. And now he thought it was his job to run me. And so he's telling me to do all kinds of stuff. And I wasn't going to have it. Jeff Adams ain't going to tell me what to do. <laughs> ain't no way. He's like, oh, you need to, you need to go vacuum. He, well, you go get the vacuum and you vacuum. I ain't doing it. Your pastor tells me I'll do it, but you ain't pastor. You know, and so I'm kind of feeling this way. And I go home and I'm whining and crying and complaining to Kathy. When is God going to use me? When am I going to have some ministry? When, when am I going to be important? Well, then that morning, the next morning, we we're in prayer and Howard walks up to me before he even prays and he taps me on the shoulder and says, upstairs. And so we go upstairs and there he says, hey, there's a church open and needles and I want to send you down there to be the pastor. And I was in sheer shock. I just stood there and I said, no way no way, I can't do that. I, I just, I didn't even know what to think. I didn't even know what to do. The crazy thing was, this was the very moment I was longing for. This was the very thing that I was hoping for, an opportunity to do something in the kingdom of God. The problem was, I never really believed that God was going to do anything through me. Okay, I'll say that again. You, you, it's almost like it went by too fast, didn't it? The problem was I never really believed that God was going to do anything with me. Here's the problem with songs like we sung the last song. We can sing the song, he is too good to not believe, and still not believe that he'll raise the dead. And still not believe that he will heal your body. Still not believe that he will provide for your need. And still not believe that he will save your family, your friends, your neighbors, your loved ones, your sons, your daughters, your husband or wife. We can stand here and sing this song with our hands lifted high and still not believe that God is going to do something in our lives. I was totally unprepared when Howard said that. Why? Because I had no faith for his leading. I wanted what I wanted, but I was completely under, unprepared to receive what he had given me and was going to give me. See, as believers, we're told to believe big, aren't we? We're told to expect miracles. We are told to look for the supernatural. But in the end, most of us... Either don't expect it will happen for us or we're waiting for the perfect moment where everything makes sense. Well, let me tell you something. Let me just give you a little clue. God is going to do, you, God is going to do great things for you, through you and for you and it will never make sense. So get used to it. I was having lunch with Andy a few days ago and we were sitting there and we were talking about the property in the back. And I started sharing with him some of the vision that God had given me years ago concerning uh, Jacob's Ladder. If you're new to our church, we have a program in our church called Jacob's Ladder. It's a, a program for those that are struggling with chemical dependency, anger management, domestic violence. We have a lot of court-appointed people that come in. It meets every Tuesday night. Tom Frank runs it. And, and so that was a program that I started back in 1991. And I remember when I started that program, God had begun to put into me vision for Jacob's ladder. And what I saw was I saw a multifaceted center where people could come with all sorts of issues, problems, and, and, and situations, and that we would do uh, the kinds of things for them that they needed. We would provide food and assistance, and we would provide training like uh, uh, life skill training, parenting, marriage. We would do all kinds of things for them, and that even all the way to the point I saw in my head that we would actually have uh, uh, adoption agency and professional counseling and on and on and on and I saw this and that literally Jacob's Ladder along with being this recovery program would actually become this uh, social service wing of the church to minister to the community I've got it all written down I just looked at it after talking to Andy I wrote it down or I I looked at it again what I'd written down and I, I was just amazed at the things that God had put in me and I saw in my mind new life transformation center And I thought, you know what, that would go so good right back there on that property that would be awesome. Another building where that would all be housed. And then the other day I was out driving around as I do from time to time and I pray and I just spend time alone with God. And I was driving through Butler, believe it or not. And I'm, I'm driving through all there and I'm praying, I'm believing God. And all of a sudden it, it just hit my heart. And this has been on my heart to a certain degree for a little while, that we as a church, we need to have another building in Butler called the New Life Outpost. And this would be a place where church services could be done and and people from our our community service our, our community assistance center could come in and get assistance and we could do things for people and have a have like an outpost where we can reach to that whole community and segment of life and I saw that and then all of a sudden as I'm driving I went God could this be you This is pretty crazy thinking. Now, you know, here I am talking to Andy about a building over here. I'm talking about another one in Butler. I'm talking. This, this is insane. This is crazy thinking. I must be nuts because I'm, I'm barely handling what we got now. And now, God, you're going. Let's up the ante. Hey, if you don't like this, let's put it in second gear. Let's really see what we can do. I'm thinking, dear God, I, I don't know what's going on. And I begin to question, is this God's leading? Is this God saying, this is what I want you to do? And to be honest with you, I, I don't know, but I'm praying. But here's my point. God always takes you to a place that is beyond your ability to do it. Because if, it's you, if you can pull it off, then guess what? You don't need him. If you can pull it off, you don't need to pray. You can pull it off. You could do it. What do you need him for? for? And as Christians, we have to remember to have faith in God's lead. We have to relinquish control. All control. And that's where it gets a little dicey, doesn't it? I'll be honest with you, it gets a little dicey with me because I am a control freak. I dare you. I dare you. Go home today. Find your Webster's Dictionary pull it out. You haven't looked at it in a while, but pull it out. Open your Webster's dictionary, look up control freak, and you will see my picture right next to it. I'm telling you, I am a control freak. I do not like being out of control. I do not like loose ends. I do not like undone things. I don't like it. So I have two modes of operation, and they're both extreme. Either I'm a perfectionist wearing myself out trying to get it done, or I give up altogether and go, nobody can get it done. Amen. And so when I'm out of control, it's a bad thing. And God comes along and he says I want control. And if you're going to have faith in my lead, you're going to have to relinquish control. It doesn't matter what's in front of you. If you want him to leave, if you want him to lead, he must drive. We must give up the luxury of control and surrender to him no matter what may come. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God's command is for us to have faith in his lead. After all, he's much better at it. But listen, here's the thing. God will not seize control. God will not do a hostile takeover in your life. God will not come and bend your arm behind your back and force you down to an altar somewhere where you have to repent and make a commitment God will not force you into anything. God will not make you surrender to Him. He will only respond to a heart that surrenders control. Are you hearing me? Look at Psalms 46 verse 10. It says this, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That little phrase, those two little words, be still, literally mean to cease, to be inactive, to surrender, to let go, and to release. So what is he saying? He says, surrender, let go, and release, and know that I'm God. Psalms 9.10 says this, And those who know your name, will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem, church. We often equate God moving slowly as God not moving at all. That's why we feel so out of control. See, because we want what we want now, don't we? We want things our way. You know, we have been a society for generations now with the microwave and fast food and all those things. You know, for heaven's sakes, the reason I love Burger King is because you could get it your way. The problem with McDonald's is, yeah, you can order it special, but you got to wait. If you drive through the drive-thru, ask me how I know. Well, I read a book on it. Anyway, you, you go through the drive-thru and you say, I want a quarter pounder with cheese, no onions, and just ketchup. What happens is they're going to put you over into the little side spot where you know, everybody knows you're waiting for a special order. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I do not like that. This is why I go to Burger King. I go to Burger King because they say you can have it your way. Fast. It's fast. Because the moment I make my order, they start cooking it, boom, and it's out and it's in my hands, my way, and I like it. The problem is, is we tend to take that into our relationship with God. And we want what we want and we want it now. And so when we have the idea, when we have an idea of how and when God should respond, we begin to quiver a little bit because he doesn't always deliver on our requests as fast as we like. And we don't always see the results that we want. And what happens is we get frustrated, and our faith in God begins to wane, and we struggle. I was talking with Tom Frank in between services this morning, and I got thinking as we were talking, and in that moment I had a Because we were talking about my sermon and I had a little flash of inspiration. See, the problem is, church, because we don't have faith in God's lead, we make assumptions about what God's doing. And our assumptions are never right. I mean, think about it for a moment. The Pharisees, the phariseutical sect was the most studious, the most um, um, uh, intense, the most uh, strict when it came to the law of the Old Testament. And these were the guys that by the time they were 16 years old, they had memorized the whole Torah and, and they could say it word for word. They had memorized the, the, the law. And if you've ever read the law, it's tedious. So it's kind of a chore. But by the time they're 16 years old, these guys got it down. But yet they missed the Messiah. And there's a lot prophesied about him in that Old Testament. A lot about his coming, his, his stay on earth and his departure but they missed all of it. In fact, they missed it so far that even Peter, he's standing in front of Jesus and Jesus says, you know what, we're going to Jerusalem because I got to suffer by the hands of these people and I'm going to die, but I'm going to raise again on the third day. And Peter says, over my dead body. And Jesus rebukes him. He says, get behind me, Satan, for you do not savor the things of God. Now think about this for a moment. Peter thought he had the mind of God because he was coming against something negative because it looked bad to him. See, the problem is, church, what we do is we equate good things with God and negative things with the devil without ever praying. The reality is is that negative moment in Jesus' life brought deliverance to every person sitting in this room. It was a really good thing. It was the plan of God. What we need to do is learn to test what God is saying. What we need to do is learn to take it back to the Word of God and have faith in God's lead. Well, it looks bad. So what? What? Well, no, that looks good. Be careful. Be careful. Just because it looks good doesn't mean it's God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We've got to have faith in God's lead. But what happens when we don't see the results we want? We get frustrated. We struggle. And this is where we face our greatest temptation. It's to take matters into our own hands, isn't it? 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 11 and 12, it says, And Samuel said, What have you done? And Saul says, When I saw the people were scattered from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash. Then I said, The Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering First Samuel thirteen twelve and the message Bible says it this way I said the Philistines are about to come down on me in Gilgal and I haven't come, I haven't yet come before the Lord asking for his help. So I took things in my own hands and sacrificed burnt offerings. <laughs> he did the right thing at the wrong time. Because he didn't know, and because he didn't trust, and he wasn't following God's lead. And you know what? This is what broke the camel's back, isn't it? With Saul's life. This was, there was a lot of things, but this was the thing that broke the camel's back. And at that very moment, that's when God took the kingdom from Saul and gave it to David. In Acts chapter 13, verse 22, it says, And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom he also gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will this is what god is looking for in us a people who will have faith in god's lead and do his will first john 2:17 says the world is passing away and the lust of it but he who does the will of god abides forever Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. This idea of having faith in God's lead and doing his will is wrapped up into our very identity. Are you hearing me? Jim Simbala, who uh, used to pastor the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Tabernacle in Brooklyn, New York, wrote this. He said, In today's church, we have a serious shortage. Of faith in a living speaking God many believers do not uh, seem not to believe that God really leads and directs research by George Barna shows that fewer than 10% of the church going Christians make important life decisions based on God's Word and seeking his will in other words more than 90% decide on the basis of their own intelligence peer pressure whim or fancy they married people and moved to new cities without as, so much as a 10-minute prayer. Yet every Sunday, the same people sit in the church singing songs like, Where He Leads, I Will Follow. Abraham faithfully trusted God in his lead. Now, I'm not saying he didn't have troubles, he did. But you know what? He had faith. He wrestled it through. And in Genesis 15, 6, we read about God's covenant with Abraham. And the Bible says that because he believed the Lord, the Lord counted it to him as righteousness. Abraham was human, just like you and I. He wasn't special. He sinned. He was impatient. He tried to help God out. Remember the whole thing with Hagar? Just like you and me. Yet when he believed God and had faith in his lead, his faith was accounted to him as righteousness. So what does that tell us about God and how he feels about faith and trust in his lead? Listen to Galatians 3.9. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Sometimes those kind of verses can get read over. But Abraham is known as the father of faith. This is the guy that, at 100 years old, was believing God for a child. His wife, 90. That's an extreme thing. But he believed, and God came through. And God's saying, when you do that, the same blessing that fell on him will fall on you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, trusting God completely to lead and guide us sounds good in a sermon like this, but let's get honest. It's tough, isn't it? Seeking direction from God goes against our mindset of self-reliance because our culture teaches us to take charge of our lives and to call our own shots. But much of the time, it ends in chaos. Are you hearing me? There is a story in the Word of God about a man that had every chance to be as great as David. And it's amazing who this man is, because if you know anything about the Old Testament or you've spent any time studying the kings of Israel, you're going to be shocked when I say his name. But this man could have been as great as David, and his name was Jeroboam. And it's an amazing story. Jeroboam was a young man that was an industrious young man and Solomon had taken notice of him. And I mean Solomon liked him and he was promoting him. But this story picks up right at the end of Solomon's life. And Jeroboam is about set to have some awesome things happen. And I want you to listen. Because of Solomon's sin, God is about to rearrange the kingdom. So, in 1 Kings eleven twenty-eight through 31, it says, Jeroboam was a very capable young man, and when Solomon saw how industrious he was, he put him in charge of the labor force from the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. One day as Jeroboam was leaving Jerusalem, the prophet Ahijah from Shiloh met him on the road wearing a new cloak the two of them were alone in the field, and Ahijah took the new cloak he was wearing and tore it into 12 pieces. Then he said to Jeroboam, take 10 of these pieces, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I'm about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon, and I will give you 10, tri- give 10 of the tribes to you. Then when you jump down to verse 38, listen. It says, if you listen to what I'm telling you, and follow my ways, and do whatever I consider to be right. And if you obey my laws and my commands, as my servant David did, then I will always be with you. I will establish an enduring dynasty for you as I did for David, and I will give Israel to you. This is a pretty amazing promise. Here is young Jeroboam. He is not even in the family. But because of Solomon's sin, God is about to take 10 of the tribes and give them to Jeroboam. And he says, and you know what? If you will do like David did, I'll make you as great as David. This is pretty powerful. But that prophecy never came to pass. And the reason it didn't is because of unbelief. In fact, Jeroboam became one of the worst kings in Israel's history and much of what he did led to the downfall of many of the other kings. In 1 Kings 12, 26 and 27 it says, Jeroboam thought to himself he's already in trouble. Unless I am careful, the kingdom will return to the dynasty of David. He is making assumptions outside of the spoken word of God. God He's assuming that God is not coming through because he's looking at circumstance and not the Word of God. Jeroboam thought to himself, unless I'm careful, the kingdom will return to the dynasty of David. When they go to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices at the temple of the Lord, they will again give their allegiance to King Rehoboam, that was Solomon's son, of Judah, They will kill me and him and make him their king instead. So here he is. Doubt and unbelief are climbing on him. He's not having faith in God's lead. He is trusting in his own thought. See, unbelief often clothes itself in being smart. We use cleverness to cover up the tracks of our lack of faith. Jeroboam thought he was being pretty smart in his leadership. In reality, he was being a fool. Jeroboam thought to himself. It's called the madness of self-will. See, listen to me. I'm going to make a statement. If you get anything out of this sermon, get this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Unbelief talks to itself instead of talking to God. Unbelief talks to itself instead of talking to God. How much better would it have been for Jeroboam if he had analyzed his fears and then taken them to the Lord? Right. Jeroboam didn't do it. Instead, he talked to himself. See, when we talk to ourselves, we are, talk, we are not talking to anyone very smart. <laughs> because our view is always Limited. Yes. Jeroboam also turned to some advisors, some friends of his who had reinforced his disobedience. And look at, you can find some people that will always agree with you. You can find people that you can run your story to and say, I was just thinking. This is what I was thinking to myself. This is what I thought. And you'll find people go, wow, you're wise. You, you, you that and bag of chips, man. You, you got it going on. I think you should do that. Ultimately, this is not a story about deep sin leading to corruption. This is a story about simply drifting away from the God and His Word and taking matters into His own hands. Instead of focusing on the faithfulness of God, He focused on what the circumstance seem to dictate I wish I had the time to stay here and teach you I this is something church I I, I cannot tell you this is a lesson that I am learn I'm getting a PhD in this because the circumstances your viewpoint your feelings your thoughts can never be the final analysis. Amen. Your feelings will always lie to you. Feelings are always a good servant, a horrible master. Because you will all, your feelings change. You can go through from a, you can go through one day wanting to quit and completely excited about what you're doing in a matter of a day. Sometimes in a matter of hours. For some of you a matter of minutes. And if we go by feelings, we will always draw draw the wrong conclusion. What we have to do is learn to go back to the Word of God. What is God saying? What is God's character? Who is He? God will not violate His character, He will not. He cannot. If he violates his character, he's no longer God and never was. He is true to himself. He does not have a shadow of turning in him. You can trust him as absolute. The one that I don't trust is me. I wonder sometimes, have I heard God? Oh, I've taken risks. I've done stuff. Thinking, okay, have I heard? I'm going to step out, God, believing you. But I could tell you with every risk, if I hear God to say stop, I'll stop. I believe in my heart that God wants more for this church than what we see. I believe that this church is completely underrated. I believe that we have not seen our best days yet. I believe that God has more and more and more and more for us. But will he find a people here that will have faith in his lead? Or will we look at the circumstances? Will we just believe what the checkbook says? Will we believe what the chairs tell us? Will we believe what our feelings say? Or will we believe the word of the Lord? Unbelief has a devious way of envisioning the negative. Like I said, this, is, this, this comes right out of my own life, church. I can conjure up negative like you won't believe. Man, I can, sky's falling and it's all going to kill us now. We ought to just all just be done. I and it amazes me, but I'm learning, learning to go, nope, nope. You know, one of the things that I've learned recently, this has happened just in the last, I heard a sermon on this and recently, is I'm learning how to give God glory in the mix, midst of my conflict. And what I mean by that, what I mean by that is I'm learning how to offer the sacrifice of praise and to glorify Him for who He says He is, Even though I am currently not experiencing who he says he is. Every day we face choices regarding our walk with God. And when we leave God out of these decisions, we are not really walking in faith. Instead of tapping into God's great resources of wisdom and provision, we end up trusting in human ideas. Listen, when we have faith in God's lead, He always provides for every contingency. When when God leads us into any situation, God's provision always follows. Wherever God leads us, there is an umbrella of protection and supply that follows. We used to say it this way back in the day, God's will, God's bill. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. That doesn't mean there won't be problems and difficulties, but it does mean that He will provide. It means He will make a way. Can you say amen? That's why it's paramount that you and I learn to have faith in God's lead. So how do we get there? How do we genuinely have faith in God's lead? And this is where I have to tell you, this is probably going to be a two-part sermon because I'm not even going to be able to do this justice in the time we have left. It takes discipline, just like anything else. Anything you want to be good at, you have to work at. Let me say that again. Anything you want to be good at, you have to work at. If you want to be a good husband, you have to work at it. If you want to be a good father, you have to work at it. You want to be a good lawyer, you have to work at it. You have to work at it. Give yourself to it. So it starts with having spiritual discipline. So many of us, church, and, and, and this is where my heart breaks because, you say, why? It's because I know I was here for so long in my life. So many of us put off reading our Bible and going before the Lord in prayer. So many of us. I was sharing with Tom. I actually told the story in the service, 830, and then I was talking with Tom about it. I got an email. I get a blog every day from a pastor. He's got a really big church. And he wrote this blog. He says, three, way, or three things your church needs to do to survive America's next civil war. And he starts off the blog by saying, I've lived 60 some years or whatever. And he says, I never thought I would ever say that. He said, but America is so polarized now. And the factions and the belief systems are so radically different. He said the chaos is ensuing and you know no matter where you find yourself with your belief system of eschatology what we do know is things are getting a little dicey and here's the thing that bothers me, we're not doing anything about it now we can run around, look at and I'm all for studying about eschatology but we can run around and tell how the sky's falling but what are we going to do when it falls do we know how to handle it Do we know how to let God lead? When it's so dark you can't see, do you know how to let God tell you to take another step? When it looks like it's a cliff, do you know how to take that step? This is the thing that scares me. It scares me about me. It scares me about you. Because I look around and I think, how many of us are really pressing into God? We talk about it. We say it, we sing our songs, and that's great, and we love it, and that's wonderful. But you know what, church? Somewhere, it's got to be a reality in us. It's got to be a reality. There's a scripture that for years, I remember, I heard this probably when Pastor Pennington first came to Kingman, somewhere in 1987. If you can't run with the footmen, how will you run with the horsemen? And so many of us, we... We treat reading our Bible in prayer as if it's a secondary thing. But the, the authors of the Bible, the ones that wrote in the Bible, they would say things like, it is my necessary food. It's what I need more than anything. And we use excuses like, well, I don't understand it anyway. The reason we don't understand it is because we don't read it. We don't press into it. We, we, we go, well, I don't get that. Investigate. when you got your first video game, you didn't understand that either, but you figured it out. You know what? There's YouTubes to tell you how to change your brakes on your 45 Chevy, but you know what? There's YouTubes that'll tell you how to read the Bible too. Look it up. Find out. Search it out. Press into God. So many of us are content with Sunday, expecting that one sermon is going to carry us through the week. But we need to seek him daily anything less won't do the next thing and I'm closing is we need to change our approach and I want you to real quick I'm going to read one last passage to you and then we'll close Psalms 37 3-8 it says trust in the Lord and do good dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as light, and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Don't fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. What is he saying? He's giving us a recipe, if I may use that, or a formula, if I dare say that, or or maybe a check sheet. We begins with trust. We trust him. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and depart from evil. It'll be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor him with all your possessions and the first fruits of your increase so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Do that. Meditate on that. Memorize that. Feed on his faithfulness. Remind yourself where God has showed up over and over and over and over and over and over over again and was faithful to you. Delight yourself in Him. There's so much wonder about God. Delight in it. I happen to be a science geek, along with my wife, and I think about the stars. In fact, even the psalmist, he says, the moon and the stars, they declare your glory. I look into the stars and now that we're seeing further than we've ever saw before and then understanding that God, from this point to this point of God's hand, he measures the universe from here to here. He weighs, Job says, he weighs the oceans in the palm of his hand. I delight in that, thinking about that. Then he says, commit your way to him. There is no other way for me. There is no other way. Rest in Him and wait patiently for Him. Sometimes you just got to take a breath and sit down and be quiet. Don't fret. Don't worry. And cease from anger. The wrath of man, the Bible says, does not produce the righteousness of God. We could get so angry because our life ain't mounting up to what we thought it should be. And I get it. And you know what? I am a fellow traveler. I would like to tell you that I've arrived. <sighs> Every time I study a, out a sermon like this, I figure out how far I really am. But this is what I want, this is what I'm believing. And I want you to know I'm going on record. I'm believing for those things, man. Amen. I don't know when it'll happen may not even be in my lifetime. It might be the next generation that does it. I don't know. But I'm believing for big things for this place. Big things. I don't want to be popular. I don't want to be famous. I want to be effective. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you. God, we give you glory and we give you honor. We thank you for all that you are showing us, Lord. And I pray, God, that you would encourage us. Father, I pray that this revelation would stir within your people, God. I pray that you would touch them and minister to them and help them. God, encourage them, God. Father, challenge them. Oh, Father, that we would be reminded daily of this. Lord, that we would have faith in your lead. Encourage us, Lord. Jesus' name. I'm going to ask my ministry team if they would come, if they'd come up front right here. And if you have a need of any kind, you say, I need God to help me. I need God to minister to me. I want you to come up and let these pray for you. They will pray for you. They'll bless you. They'll help you. They'll encourage you. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to release you today. We're going to let you go. God bless you. We'll see you next week. And I'm sure at some point there'll be a part two. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.